Well, welcome to Sunday service. And I think you all know, Tratish and I will be leaving next Friday. And we'll be going to Ananda Center in Assisi for one month, and then on to India for three and a half months. So it's a long, two and a half months. So it's a long trip, and we'll get back before Thanksgiving. But I want to especially thank the chanters for chanting the Italian chants. Jotisha and I always do a crash course in Italian before we leave. And you get such interesting sentences to repeat as, il mio orso mangia la tua marmalata. My bear eats your jam. So it was nice to hear something a little different. <laughs> OK. That was one of my favorites. <laughs> OK. Our topic this week from Rays of the One Light is how democratic is truth. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. We live in an age where people assume that knowledge should be available equally to all. In matters susceptible of judgment by normal common sense, however, Everyone knows there are exceptions. Access to a control room for intercontinental missiles is limited by universal consent to a very few. Access to the controls of a passenger airline is limited to those with the knowledge, with the necessary knowledge for operating them, and also to those with the proper authorization. If people don't see the disadvantages of making more subtle knowledge universally available, it is only because they are ignorant of the risks involved. In the case of subtle knowledge, the main disadvantage in making it universally available is the harm it might do to the one who isn't ready for it and who might even mock it. True, by mocking truth, he might undermine the faith of a few truth seekers. But then, such tests can also be beneficial as a means of strengthening faith. Again true, the clever doubter's misrepresentation of those truths may dissuade a few seekers from following the spiritual path. But if a seeker really is sincere, he will recognize the truth eventually because it resonates with his own being. No, the greatest problem accrues to the shallow doubter himself. To give him an opportunity to affirm his ignorance might only estrange him even more from the truth, delaying the time when he will turn, as all people must eventually, to the light. Thus, the scriptures advise not secrecy, but discretion in sharing of truth. Jesus Christ says in the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 7, Give not that which is holy unto dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and rend you. And Sri Krishna says in the 18th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, Never speak of these truths to one 
who is without self-control or devotion, who renders no service, who does not care to hear, or who speaks ill of me. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Buongiorno, amici. <laughs> so, Davy and I are both going to share a little bit this morning, so each of us will be relatively brief, I hope. I want to start by reading this beautiful prayer demand from Master. Help me to win the battle of life O King of Kings, train thou in me the camp of discipline, of noble qualities of calmness and self-control. Be thou their divine general, like Krishna of yore, against the invading hordes of darkness, passion, and greed. Protect the celestial kingdom of my mind against entry by the tenacious warriors of evil, let thy, inner, let thy banner of perfect, of peace, wave always above the strong castle of my soul. So Master's calling on the powers of strength and will and divine guidance to help protect us and help to keep us in tune with the light. You know, this question of sharing the teachings, of sharing light, obviously we should share light with everyone, but sharing the teachings has a little bit of a more of a nuanced feeling to it. Because as Swami said, the main danger is that if you share something too soon, the person does not want that and therefore they push against it to reject it. And in doing that, they reaffirm their own ignorance. And so it's better to let it go for a while until people are, are ready, in fact, wanting to hear truth. Sri Yukteswar talked about the evolution of consciousness in a very interesting way. He, he gave five gradations of the qualities of the heart. So there's the dark heart, there's the propelled heart, the steady heart, the devoted heart, and the clean heart. Only at the end, the clean heart, that's the only one that is completely free from darkness, the, the mixture of darkness and, and light. But for the dark heart, they don't want to have these teachings. They're, they're, they would mock them, as Swami said, they would reject them. And so you don't want to uh, help them to reaffirm that. You try to drag the creatures of the darkness from the depths and they can't survive in environments of the light. They themselves, through a slow, I mean, we have infinity, 
to, uh, to carry on. And so uh, it's hard to wrap our minds around this concept of infinity. Basically, we have as long as we can possibly ever want to evolve until we realize that the concept of time, as Davy wrote, doesn't really exist anyway. But that's, a, that's at the clean heart stage. The, the evolutionary process to get there, we have as long as we want because it's, it's what we're drawn to. It's, it's very interesting that Sri Yukteswar used the concept of the heart for this. Usually we think evolution of the mind or the consciousness, but it isn't really. It's the evolution of what we're drawn to, what we desire, until we begin to desire more and more only the light and the beautiful chant, door of my heart, open wide I keep for thee. That's, that's where we get to the stage of the devoted heart. And at that stage, as all, all beings tend to migrate to be in the company of people of the same level of consciousness. As Swami said rather amusingly, that uh, a seeker coming into a city within a week will know where, where uh, the high consciousness people are. And a criminal coming into that same city will sniff out the crooks within a week. And so according to our level of consciousness, we have the desire to be with others of the same consciousness. And so by the time we get to the steady or the devoted heart, especially, we become pearl divers. It's not that Christ is uh, saying don't cast your pearls before, we're no longer swine, we're pearl divers. We, we want those pearls. And at that time, it's right and desirable that we connect with others wanting the same thing. Very interestingly, on this day, July 31st in 1949, that's when Master gave that great talk at the garden party. And so the garden party, for those of you who may not know, there was a wealthy, uh, I don't think a devotee, I think more of a person that enjoyed uh, Master and enjoyed the talks and works that, that he did, held a, a big party for, I don't know, several hundred people um, of the kind of um, higher, higher level of society in the Los Angeles area. And Swamiji had relatively recently come to be with Master. But at that garden party, one could say, was planted the seed that has now grown into Ananda. And so at that garden party, Master talked very strongly. That's where he said, you uh, must go north, south, east, and west, establishing little world brotherhood colonies for um, high thinking and plain living. You can read the, the whole talk, but very, very powerful. Now, there were 
master was casting out that pearl, there were many, many devotees in that, that group. And there were many, many others who weren't devotees in that group. But only Swamiji was attuned to that particular ray. And so he picked up that pearl and made a necklace out of it. And that necklace has become now a mala with lots of pearls of people seeking. And we're all among those. And what a blessed, blessed life it is to be able to live a entire existence, an entire adult life among high-minded people who are also seeking the light and seeking to, to share the light. And so Swami's advice was very interesting about, you know, obviously for pearl seekers, you, you dive together. But for others, what do you do? Well, Swami said, if you're among a mixed crowd, just make a connection or, or begin a conversation and offer a tiny hint of what you're drawn to in the teachings. And if people, that's all they want, you'll, you'll feel it. Um, if they want more, they'll ask for more. And one time we were at, of all places, the Los Angeles Auto Show with Swamiji because our dear friend Bharavi runs that or ran it at the time. And so we were there and we, Bharavi wanted all of us to wear our, our blue Nayaswami robes. So Swami was there in a group of us. And so, um, you know, we were mingling around and this woman there came up to Davy and she was a, uh, from New York, and she said, so, what's with all the blue? <laughs> and Davy said, well, you see, we're a, a spiritual order, um, and, and uh, we're swamis. And the woman said, oh, is that the same as a guru? And Davy said, no, it's, she's sharing too many pearls here, so, end of the story. So, so Davy said, no, a, a Swami is someone who has dedicated their life and maybe sometime they'll become a guru, but they've dedicated their life to a spiritual search. And the woman looked at her very deeply and she said, want a cupcake? <laughs> and so people, people will <laughs> tell you if they want more. And if they don't, they'll tell you that too. But so just as, as we go through life, just share with people, be kind, be, uh, connect with them in whatever way. Um, I think it was Ananta, but I'm not, Anand, I mean, but I'm not sure, told us of a time. They were staying in a hotel with Swamiji and there was a hotel restaurant. And this man came in and Swamiji looked up and he tugged on his earlobe like that. And the man smiled and tugged on his earlobe. A strange exchange. But uh, Anand asked him, 
but what, what was that all about? And Swami said, oh, I met this man in the lobby yesterday, and I said to him, I came up to him, and I said, you're the only person I've seen that has earlobes as long as mine, and kind of tugged on it. And then we talked for a while, and, and so in recognition of that, he was, we were just exchanging our little, our little connection. Well, it's such a beautiful example. Just be warm and friendly. Now, I don't know what they talked about, but whatever it was, Swami was constantly always looking just to make little connections and share the vibration. And so if a person wants that, they will ask for more. And if they ask for more, give them more, a step at a time. Don't dump the whole bucket on them, just a, a little cup at a time. And if they want more, uh, then it will continue until they will become a, a friend. And if they're of the same vibration, they will become a fellow seeker. So as we go through life, the main thing is just to be open-hearted and kind and loving with everybody that we meet. And if we do that, the question of sharing and not sharing will tend to sort itself out. God bless you. Davy wasn't planning to use the story. The exact story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to pick this up from kind of the reverse angle, other end of the telescope. Jyotish has been talking about what we give. Now I'd like to focus on how we receive better. Because in a way, in this passage from the Gita, which I'll just read again, because I just, it's so important. Speak, never speak of these truths to one who, one, is without self-control, two, is without devotion, three, who renders no service, four, who does not care to hear, and five, who speaks ill of me. Now, when I was thinking about that, I thought, well, that's what God is saying to us. I can't come to you, God or Guru. I can't come to you if you have these walls up. So it's the same thing we can't give to people who don't want to receive. But in the Bhagavad Gita, it's saying, if someone is without self-control, if their energy is just scattered and not centered in the self, then the subtle vibration of God can't come to them. If the person doesn't have devotion, if their heart is closed, then God can't come to us. If we don't do service, express our, our love and our controlled energy through what we do, then God can't come to us. And when you look at our whole path, it's so beautiful because Master said our path is about meditation and service. So self-discipline and control, devotion, that's really a big part of meditation, focusing the energy inside. And as we read in the 
um, raise the uh, affirmation about concentration, not with tension, not with mental effort, but focusing it with love the way you would. <clears throat> Nirmala gave during her talk during Spiritual Renewal Week, she used a beautiful image of receiving a love letter from someone you care about. And you don't say, oh, I'll read that later, or I'll file that. You want to read it. And that's the way we should approach meditation, not just, oh, God, one more time, but with enthusiasm, with, because we want to do it. And then in our action, the same thing. Let that, everything we do, that's, uh, it, we have this wonderful karma yoga program at the Expanding Light now. Sundra and Dhananjaya are leading it. But that program over the years when Trimurti was leading it, and now we have two wonderful people, that changed people's lives, I think, more powerfully than learning meditation, because most people's lives are more outward. And it taught them how to have a focused, devoted action in the world. And so those we covered, I can't come to you if you don't have self-control, if you don't have devotion, if you're not serving, or if you don't care to listen. And that's indifference. It's another way of saying indifference. And we all fight that one. In a way, that's the most insidious obstacle on the spiritual path, because it's like we don't, uh, we let our energy go down. We let it, okay, well, I guess I have to meditate now. I guess I have to serve now. Okay, here's Master's book. I'll just skim it through, you know. But it's that indifference. Master said, I don't care about your mistakes. I care about your indifference. And so that's something we all really need to look at. Am I doing the best I can? Am I sincerely trying? Or am I just sweeping things under the rug? Oh, I don't really need to deal with that. Yeah, I know it's a problem, but well, maybe I'll deal with it later. Don't sweep. There's no rug on the spiritual path. It's all transparent. It's a glass floor, glass ceiling. We live in a glass house as far as God's concerned. And so if you see something, if you feel something within you that just is, you know it's off, you know it's not an attunement, then look at it, work with it, do the best you can. And in time, that will, that will begin to diminish. You know, as Jyotish was saying, this is, um, so Master gave that talk on World Brotherhood communities, sort of launching the movement. And that was almost exactly 20 years. 4th of July, 1969, July 31st, 1949, nearly exactly 20 years from when Swami heard that, that with concentration and self-control and devotion and everything but indifference, he created this community and by extension, all of Ananda. And so we need to look at that part of ourselves as devotees. When we're indifferent, God can knock on the door and knock on the door, but we won't hear it. The door is closed. And then finally, those who speak ill of me. Well, as devotees, that's, I, that's less of an insidious thing. 
but we need to watch the environment. Environment is more important than willpower, Master said. So when we're absorbing things, when we're watching things, when we're listening to people who are negative or critical or cynical, best to withdraw. Don't be around that. You know, I remember once, I don't know if Sadhana Devi remembers this, but this was, I had only been at Ananda a year or two, and I had a cousin who lived in San Francisco, and he was a worldly man, a, a wealthy man, but a cynical man. And I, he invited us, he had a big home, and he invited me to come and have dinner with them. And so Sadhana Devi agreed to come with me. We drove down. And he was mocking meditation at the dinner party and the spiritual, you know, oh, what are you girls doing, you know. And I really loved what Sadhana Devi said. She kind of put him in his place, but not being rude. She just said, I don't talk about meditation. And he was challenging us. So why do you meditate? What do you get out of it? And she said, I don't talk about meditation. I just do it. And there was nothing more he could say. And I was so grateful for that. But again, be mindful when people are trying to pull your energy down, or maybe not even trying to pull you down, but that's just who they are. And just put up a little shield, a little you know, invisible force field like they do in, in the spaceships, you know, so they can't, they can't pull you down. But when we live in this way, this is what the Gita says, then God can give us the pearls. You know, it's, it's so beautiful living in community and watching the different stages New devotees come, beautiful, enthusiastic, and we're so happy when they do. And then there's people who are kind of in the middle pattern. They've made the commitment, maybe they're leading something, and, but they still, have, they still have issues to work out and things to resolve. And then you see people in the later years, and let's do away with everything that prevents God from coming to us. Really, that's what it's all about. It's a feeling of unworthiness, a feeling of failure, a feeling of all the negative things we can think about ourselves. That holds God at a distance. Master said, I don't care about your mistakes. I care about your indifference. And that indifference is the worm that eats at the heart of the apple of of our spiritual life. So let's not be indifferent devotees. Let's not be lackluster devotees. Let's give it all we've got in every way we can. And I just want to close. This is one of, by reading a letter that Master wrote to a devotee. Because for all of us, the insidious thought of unworthiness and self-doubt is there. And we have to remember, if we can just put that aside and think, whatever are my inadequacies, you, Master, you, God and Guru, you can help me overcome all of them. And this is the letter that Master wrote to one of the devotees. It's not dated. You must never lose courage 
Divine Mother sent me to pilot you out of the clouds of your mind. Everybody's difficulty is different, and he or she has to win that test of karma and Divine Mother. Overcome all by constant inward calling on God and utmost devotion in words, thought, action, and obedience to the guru. God does not talk readily to the devotee, but a guru does. And the easiest way out of all difficulties is to listen to him and obey him. Your troubles I do not mind. I will never give up my job about you. It is better to conquer evil and not go on living with it forever. Never for a moment identify yourself with momentary flashes of error. Have no fear, even when I am gone and no longer visible in your eyes, you will never be alone. I may not scold you then, but I shall ever be with you and through Divine Mother guard you from all harm and will constantly whisper to you guidance through your loving self. So do not become discouraged and tired about life, but be ever interested in doing for Divine Mother, no matter if war, sickness, and death dance around you. That is the secret of victory over delusion and all troubles. Be cut to pieces, but never give up. Be a divine leech. Suck at the blood of wisdom, even though torn to bits. A smooth life is not a victorious one, and I will give you lots of good karma so you will get through. I will not only ever forgive you, but ever lift you up no matter how many times you fall. Keep unceasingly trying to conquer. Then not only will I invisibly help you, but visibly through many here. Divine Mother will help you to win through your own efforts and the blessings of the great gurus. I am not building a mansion for you or giving you riches that will perish, but I am making an imperishable home with all riches for you in my Divine Mother's mansion. Unceasing blessings, Paramahansa Yogananda. So let's never forget those words. He is with us. He is calling us home. And as we join together in our spiritual life, let's extend wholeheartedly compassion and love and understanding to one another, and then also to hold each other in Master's light and love. So we'll be gone now for a while, but We'll be back soon, and we'll write and keep you abreast of all of our adventures if we don't get lost at the airport. Uh, God bless you all, and thank you for your life in God. What is love? Love whisper in the flowers, flowers, flowers. Surely we.
this world could not love by our own powers. powers, powers. What is joy? Is it just a dream? Or does joy laugh in every stream? Clouds mindless after all, or is joy all nature's theme? God is dead, so men say. Can't they see all life's is play? Not a church binds him as its own. Not a creed makes him fully known. Foolish we, if we limit every his throne. What is love? Is it only ours? Or does love whisper in the flowers? Surely we world could not love by our own powers, powers. What is love? What is love? Is it love?